right, all right. How you doing, guys? Everyone good? Turn with me in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 18. So here's my question. Who has now seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Raise your hand. Oh, good. More and more are seeing it. Hey, I really want to encourage you to see this. And the reason I'm so adamant in exhorting people is you actually get to see what the last move of God that swept across California looks like. And when you see that, it fills your heart with faith. As a young man, I was actually able to visit a couple of different revivals, one in Pensacola, Florida, where over 100,000 people came to the Lord in one church. And the power of God was being poured out there. I was also able to go into Brazil where the South American revival found its epicenter and it was able to go into one place where a, uh, one church had grown to 100,000. It was crazy. And they'd begin to pray and electricity was in the air. You just were, you were swept into it. And so I, I want you to see this because this is really what we believe that God's going to do again in California where we know that we need that desperately as a state. And the interesting thing that, that two of our, our church members or two on our staff explained was that up until that point, there weren't really small groups that were common in the church. That wasn't a normal experience. And so that was something that was introduced, really people meeting house to house, that was introduced in the Jesus movement. The churches that did that and really became organic and, and actually returned to the biblical principle, they actually sustained the move of God while ones that just met in the, the big meetings and just had the concerts and, and just the large rallies, it actually kind of fizzled out. Here's what I've seen through the years because I, I, I live on the flight path into San Diego, so I'm often watching planes fly over. I have yet to see a plane with one wing. You seen one? Have you seen a plane flying with just one wing? No, planes are designed to fly with two wings, and so is the church. The church, when we see God pour out a spirit in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, it says this. It says they met in the temple court, so they kept meeting in the large group, which is so awesome, right? We've just experienced it. You have this amazing anointed worship. You feel the presence of God. In the past several weeks, we've had some kind of feelings of visitation where worship's just continued on. Several weeks ago, we never left out of this, this, this room. We just kept worship going because you experience the awe and the majesty. And then what you're hoping happens is then we get anointed preaching with this insightful and impacting but you know, we need that small group relationship where we can be known and we can know others and we need good leadership that we can actually know. And that's where we come to uh, in, in the book of Exodus chapter 18 when we start seeing the, the people of Israel are in a real move of God, but then a leader comes and speaks some wisdom into him. So would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 18 right now? says this, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, together with Moses' sons and wife, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped near the mountain of God. Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and, to your, and your sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. They greeted each other and then went into the tent. 
Moses told his father-in-law about everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and the Egyptians for the Israel's sake and about all the hardships they had met along the way and how the Lord had saved them. Jethro was delighted to hear about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel in rescuing them from the hands of the Egyptians. He said, praise be to the Lord who rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh and who rescued the people from the hands of the Egyptians. So basically, Jethro, this, this leader, this seasoned leader, is coming to meet with Moses, uh, a newer leader, Moses is seeing a move of God. Like we read about last week, they set up a tent. Anyone could go to it. When they went, the presence of God came. A cloud came. But now Jethro's saying this. He's, he's, he's listening to the reports, but watch what he's going to tell Moses next. It's really interesting. This is in verse 11. So we're in Exodus 18, verse 11. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the other gods, for, for he did this to those who treated Israel arrogantly. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and other sacrifices to God, and Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law in the presence of God. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as a judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning until evening. When his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you're doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge while all these people stand around you from morning till evening? Moses answered him, well, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me, and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. Listen to this. It says, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his degrees and instructions and show him the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. The simple cases, they can decide themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. If you do this, and God so commands, you'll be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. God was saying, Moses, it's not for you to carry alone. People actually need more leaders, and they need to be gathered in tens and fifties and hundreds. And when you do that, and that's functioning well, people are gonna go home satisfied, and you're not gonna be crushed by it. Today, I wanna talk about the topic, good leaders are needed in a move of God. Good leadership is needed in a move of God. In this next season, as God is moving more and more, and, and you've been reading the headlines, hopefully, about this revival that happened in Asbury, and then it spread on to Lee University in Sanford, and then it spread. I'm going to, tomorrow night, I'm speaking in College Station in, in, in Texas, and there's a, a big gathering continuing to happen there. It's just starting to spread all over the nation, and we're believing for it to come to San Diego. We felt some embers, but we're believing for a move of God, Amen. But in that, what we've seen throughout history is that if there's not more and more leaders raised up, that revival won't result in transformation and won't be sustained. It won't be sustained, and, and people 
won't be cared for. We desperately need good leaders to be raised up. And now, if you're in this room and you're like, oh, man, I sure hope that happens. I hope good leaders raise up. No, I actually want to say you are those leaders. I'm speaking to a room of leaders. When God calls you to follow him, you become a believer in Christ. You become a believer. Say, I are a leader. Now say, I am a leader. The studies show that even the most shy person will influence, listen to this, within the course of their lifetime, 10,000 people. Leadership is influence, and every person influences others. But God, when he sent Jesus into the world, it's so interesting to me. He didn't just draw crowds of millions and just say, everyone, just stick with me. Instead, what did he do? He called simple, ordinary fishermen. He called tax collectors. He, he called women from all different backgrounds. There were these followers, and he disseminated his responsibility into ordinary people. Can I tell you, the way that God changes the world is sending us out like salt to preserve the earth, sending you out like light and so today, I want to talk about, from this scripture, qualities of good leaders, because all of us can learn to be a person of influence, a person of leadership. Number one, good leaders initiate. It says, Jethro had sent word to him, I, your father-in-law, am coming to you. That's verse six. Do you know where I found my first mentor? I didn't. He found me. I bounded up the staircase into my second story apartment. It was called The Village is where I lived. And I walked into my living room and there was a 30-year-old guy there. He would come to our apartment to meet with my roommate. And he immediately engaged with me and started talking to me about the Lord. And I got real excited because here's an older guy willing to invest in us. Can I tell you that people desperately need your investment in their lives? So many times when we think, I'm not the pastor, I'm not the worship leader, I, I don't have this great teaching ability, that's not what people need. People need you to just be intentional with them. They need what you can give them. One of the first guys that impacted my life, his name was Johnny Huggins, and he wasn't the speaker. I'd never heard him, him preach a message before. He was just this great, loving guy, and, and I'd walk into the room, and he'd always just rub his chest He'd go, hey, Robert, good to see you. That's all I remember that he'd say. He'd always say, hey, Robert, good to see you. And, and, and he'd lean back like this. He'd smile. He had this big mustache. And, he'd, and that's why I love having a mustache right now because I feel more like Johnny. And, and he'd, just, he'd look at me, and then he'd put his hand on my shoulder and go, man, good to see you. That, that, that brings me to my second point is leaders are kind and affectionate. So many times we think, well, I can't be a leader because I don't have a lot to say, or I'm not authoritative, or I'm not charismatic. I, I, I love what it says about Moses. Mo Moses here, people are still talking about Moses, but I love what it says that he did. It says that he honored, he bowed down, and he gave Jethro a kiss. Now, now that's not a weird kiss. It was a, a, a brotherly kiss. But what is that showing us? It's showing us that leaders, it's not about looking all you know, proper and strong and stately. It's about being loving. It's about being kind. And that's what we desperately need. That's what Johnny was to me. Do you know that actually uh, endorphins are released in our body when we look at people in the eyes? But so many people in this generation, no one takes time to look at them. 
We speak out, you smile at someone. Like I, I immediately got smiles back. Like I smile at one person and five people smile back. They're like, maybe he's smiling at me, right? Uh, your smile ministers to people's hearts, looking at them in the eyes, smiling at them, saying their name. It's kind and it, it warms our heart. And so many people in this generation grew up where their parents weren't kind to them or where they weren't intentional, they, they weren't affectionate. And so in the body of Christ, this is the place where people need holy, healthy affection. And when we give that, we deposit love into their souls and then people start flourishing it's, it's almost like flower food that people start budding in our midst just by feeding off the godly affection we give them. That's one of the most powerful things a leader does. Then good leaders celebrate what God is doing in others. Good leaders celebrate what God is is doing in others. So many times we think, well, I have, to, I have to be the epicenter of God's activity on earth and have all these stories. No, actually, you can just celebrate someone else. Like I said about parents, there are many parents that aren't celebrating what's going on in their kids. And so someone, you, you, you can just encourage someone, hey, man, I, I, I remember someone, I, I, I was just getting into worship in college, and I remember someone turning to me and going like, it was awesome seeing how passionate you were in worship, I wasn't leading the worship. I was standing in, a, standing in the middle of a row. And someone said that, and I'm like, yeah, I am a worshiper. I'm really going somewhere. Someone saw, I mean, just them calling out, like, you were passionate. I'm like, yeah, I'm passionate. Uh, leaders celebrate what God is doing, right? You hear someone, you're, you're, you're praying, and you hear someone pray next to you, hey, Man, I, I hear you praying. So many people have never been encouraged for praying before. And you can just, you can, you're just stoking their fire. You're just putting another log on their fire of their passion when you encourage them about those things. So we celebrate what God's doing. Here's another thing that good leaders do. They listen to people. They, they actually listen. We're always thinking, okay, the only way I can be a leader is if I have these powerful one-liners to drop on people when really, what's the first thing that Jethro does? It says he came and listened to what God was doing. He, he listens to Moses as he brings a report. He listens to the good things. It says he also listened to the hard ways they have been treated. Right? You've heard it said before, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And how do people know how much you care? By listening to them. We as believers need to be the best listeners. We need to give people the gift of a listening ear. I, I can't tell you how many times I've been with people in small groups and they're like, I'm not used to talking because no one, no one actually cared what I thought growing up. No one cared. And I, I never got to, no one asked me what I thought. And we actually start stamping people's validity and worth, their value by listening to them. Do you know that people feel valued when you listen to them? You just asking someone how they're doing instead of saying, how are you doing? Oh, good, okay, and walking off, going, how are you doing? And someone goes, good, and you look at them and go, really? And like, oh no, actually, it's been a horrible week. And then you listen to them. Do you know that you're, you're leading them closer to Jesus because Jesus pours agape love into our hearts and all of a sudden they start feeling like they're a part of a family because a, a, a healthy family actually cares about how each member is doing. You know, just listening to people is leading them. 
Here's the next one. Good leaders bring in other leaders. So good leaders actually connect you with other leaders. I'm so thankful for how my dad was in this way. Sometimes parents, we feel like I've got to be everything for, for my kids. Like I've got to be their coach. I've got to be their tutor. I've got to, I've got to be their, their trainer. And, and I've, I've got to be their counselor. And I'm so thankful that my dad was like, man, I can't do all those things. So he started praying for mentors for me. He said, that was one of my main prayers for you, Robert, is that God would bring godly mentors. And, and now I've had so many mentors through my life, and I think it's a direct answer to my dad's prayers. So one of the things I've done throughout the years is I see someone with a gift on their life, and I try to connect them to a person with more of that gift than I have. So God brought Kendall Laughlin, who's one of our pastors, into our life. I noticed he had a prophetic gift, and I thought, that's not the main gift on my life. And, but I had him go pick up Joe Ewan at the airport and spend time with him so he could start growing in that area. That's what I do with my boys when I've seen different gifts on their, their life. One of, my, one of my sons, I was like, man, you have a, a, a gift to be a quarterback, but I stopped being a quarterback in seventh grade, so I'm probably not gonna be able to help you, so I found someone else. And I think about that with my, my children, about people, I'm a pastor, and I, yet I ask people to invest in my kids spiritually. Why? Because a good leader brings in other leaders. That's why I bring people to come to speak to you. And, and, and always, always be leery of a group that's like, nope, it's just me. I'm the only leader. That's how cults form, right? But, but good leaders aren't intimidated by other leaders, and they know you're just going to add logs to our fire. So don't be intimidated by other people, and don't think you have to have all the other answers. Actually, some of the best leadership is just pointing to someone who knows more than you do. Here's another one. Good leaders challenge and confront. It says, the next day Moses took a seat, this is uh, verse 13, to serve as judge for the people, and they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw this and what he was doing for the people, he said, what are you doing? Later on he says, what you're doing is not good. Jethro just spoke to, up until that point, the greatest leader of all time and said, what you're doing is not good. First of all, if you're a leader, we need to stay humble. We need people to be, be able to speak into our lives. People consistently speak into my life. And, and I'm okay with that because I want to grow. Amen? And we need to speak into other people's lives. So first, we initiate, we're loving, we're kind. We don't do it harshly, but I'm so thankful that people have spoken in to my life. I, I remember the, the college group that Steph and I were in, it was powerful, it was moving, and, and so I, I wanted to be a leader. And I remember going through leader training and then the, the, the pastor, the, the leader over kind of 50s, sat down with me and said, Robert, one of our standards that I wanna call you to is we don't watch trashy movies as leaders. So I'm gonna ask you, will you give up your rated R movies that are full of, of violence and sexuality? And I went, no. I, I, I was ticked, because I'm like, no, I'm a movie guy. Like, that's what I, I, I love movies. And, and, and then I said like, I don't need to give them up because I can watch like a violent show and I don't go out and kill someone. And like, they can be cussing and stuff. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I don't cuss. And, and they can have like sex on the, on the movie. And, but I'm not like going out and doing that. Like I'm, I'm trying to walk with the Lord. And he goes, Robert, 
it's not about how much you can get away with it. It's how pure can we get our minds because the pure in heart will see God and, 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 and what we influence other people into. And would you be up for giving that up, even if you don't think it's best, just because maybe we think it's a better idea? And I went, yes, I'll do it. I was very frustrated and reluctant, but I was like, you know what? If that's what it takes, then I'll do it. Three months later, I came back and thanked him. I was like, you're right. I was wrong. Because what I noticed, I told Jeff, who was that leader, I said, you know what I noticed? Is, yeah, I wasn't watching those things and then going out and doing them, but I noticed, like, the temptation in my mind for, for have sexual thoughts has way diminished because I'm not watching sex scenes anymore, right? The, the Bible says that your eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are darkness, how great the darkness inside of you. And so what I didn't realize is, yeah, I wasn't going out and doing those things, but I was battling with temptation on the mind because I kept having these images over and over and over again in my mind. And I'm so thankful that he challenged me. I'm also thankful that, that, they, they, that my leaders helped me walk with the Lord in wisdom. Because sometimes when we're running after the Lord, it's all zeal. And man, I love zeal. I pray for zealous people. I pray for you young people to run after the Lord with all, with all passion. But we also need good leaders that are close to us. So I remember one day that I, I was like, Lord, I want to share the gospel with more people. I, I, want, I want to engage with more people. And then I had this thought, I'm going to put a chair in the middle of my busy road in front of my house because tons of cars pass. I'm going to put it in the middle of the road and people are going to have to swerve to miss me and they're going to yell at me and say, what are you doing? You're going to get killed. And I'll say, it's worth dying to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> so I, I, told, I told my mentor, I was like, hey, I'm about to do this. And he goes, I appreciate your zeal, but that's a dumb idea. Because <laughs> you're going to get yourself killed. And there's a lot of other ways to tell people about Jesus. And to be really bold. And I said, well, I did have this other thought of like building a cross and walking around. And people would see the cross. And he's like, much better idea. I did that. And I got to engage in so many conversations and lead some people to the Lord. I'm so glad I didn't get killed at 20 years old in the street making people swerve so I could tell them, uh, you know, I'm ready to die or you. <laughs> we, we need leaders speaking into our lives. You know, another time, I almost abandoned one of my main callings. We were leading trips in and out of, of different countries, and, and I remember one trip that I led to the, to the, into Lebanon, and um, it was amazing, guys, like, People were having encounters with the Lord. People were giving their lives to Jesus. But here was the problem. I have bad insomnia from the time I was two. There, there were so many nights that I'd just never sleep. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd eventually get sleep. But on this trip to Lebanon, I didn't sleep for a solid week. Now, I don't know if you've ever gone numerous days without sleep, but you start feeling like you're losing it. You can feel like you're starting to go insane. So although God was moving in power I felt like I was going crazy. And so I, fi I, I finally uh, got back and I told my pastor, I was like, that was amazing. God was moving. We actually saw a small group formed of, of, of Muslim background believers. I said, but I'm never going again. I said, I, I can't take it. Like my insomnia was too bad. And so I'm just, I'm just called to only be in the United States. And he said, no, that's not your calling. I'm so sorry that happened. 
And he goes, you know, if, if you had a broken bone, we'd pray for it, but if it wasn't healed, we'd send you to the doctor. You have a, a medical issue. You need to go to the doctor and get some medicine. But don't give up on your calling. I went to the doctor. He gave me some sleep medication. I'd take it when I'd go overseas, and from then on, I've continued to go. You see, I would have punted my calling if it wasn't for a leader speaking into my life and giving me wisdom. That's why we all need leaders in our life. We need leaders close to us. And so this is what I love is that leaders actually give us godly advice. They speak wisdom into us. It says this, listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring them to disputes. Teach them his degrees and show them the way they're to live and how they're to behave. What you see is a leader constantly points us to the Lord. May God be with you. Be the representative before God. Teach him his ways. And so that's what they, they do in our lives. And then I love what Jethro says to Moses. You're going to wear yourself out if it's just you. If it's just you, like, I can't lead this church by myself, but God is raising up other people. And so we all, the, the way that we're led well is if we all have leaders close to us, and, and, and you are those different leaders. And, and so, you know, you're, you're having a hard time. You could be sitting in church this morning, hearing a great message, having great worship, but dying inside because you're going through a divorce or you're going through an eating disorder or you're having this big mental issue. And you can sit in a room of hundreds of people like this and no one ever knows it. But when you're in a small group, a small family, and people are actually asking you how you're doing and, and how is the word of God affecting you and what's going on in your life and you're praying for each other, you are known. And the body heals itself. Do you know our bodies are made to heal itself? Right? And, and do you know that the body of Christ is made to heal itself? But the body of Christ has to be functioning in New Testament order. And in New Testament order, they met in the big groups, temple courts, or they met in the big church of Jerusalem, or the big church of Ephesus, the big church of Antioch, and then they met in small groups. And so Moses said, select leaders of tens and of fifties. And of hundreds, sometimes we don't think we're a leader because we're like, I can never do what Robert does. He gets up and he can preach the word of God. And I can never do that. Yeah, but you can do something better than me. You can actually take care of people better than I can. So here's what I hear about. People are hurting in the church and then they're like, I was hurting and someone showed up to my house with a casserole and it totally ministered to me, right? And then they sat with me for a couple hours. Here's what I wanna say. There's not a higher value on the leader of thousands than the leader of tens, right? The leader of thousands, that's great when we're sitting in a big room and they can give an anointed teaching and an impacting transformational message, but they're probably not who you want sitting next to you when you're going through your life crisis, right? Because they're moving so fast. You need the leader of tens because at that time you need a casserole. And I don't bake casseroles. You need someone who's going to sit with you for hours. Man, I, I can barely sit still for 30 minutes, right? Yeah. I, I, I've been around the leaders of these big things, and you're like, that's not who you want when you're having a hard time, right? You want Sue, who shows up with the casserole and will sit with you and put their arm around you, and you can put your head on their shoulder, right? And, and they actually are, are, are with you, and we need leaders of, we, we all need to be in those family groups. When babies are born, they're put in families. And the church refamilies us. And the church 
The church takes care of us. Think about that. The, the small groups and they're like micro churches. They're like little, little hospital rooms. Have you have you noticed that when you're sick, you don't just go and sit in a big lecture hall and someone says, "Now get well." No, they put you in a room. And what do you have? You have like a, a loving, usually have a loving friend or family member that just sits with you. Then you have doctors that are like, we're going to work on this and that and this. And then you have some nurses that start tending to your needs. And you have a chaplain that comes in and they're just like, God loves you. you know? and, and you have this team. And that is why, why God was saying, we're going to break you into groups of tens and fifties. Because just sitting, you don't sit in a lecture hall when you need your whole life transformed. You need a hospital room with specialists. And, and that's why Acts 2, 42 through 47. So it, all these people gave their lives to Jesus. I don't know if we even had that scripture this morning. But what it says is then they also met house to house. And it says there they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here, you hear the apostles' teaching, but in a small group, you actually talk about it. And you're like, hey, how did that message affect your life? And you're like, well, man, this is how it affected this. It pierced my heart here. I feel like I'm supposed to respond to, to this. And you actually start talking about it. And when you talk about it, you're actually faced with how it affected you. Or, or maybe you even say, I don't like what Robert said. And then you're able to discuss that. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, right? We can't all just sit down and have a big, big meal here. But in the small groups, we sit and we actually eat with our friends. You eat with people that you like. And that's how you get to know people over, over food and over eating and apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, to fellowship. And, and so you actually get to talk to some people. I, I hear people all the time say, yeah, I went to this big church. I didn't talk to one person. What a shame. But God never intended the church to just be the large gathering. It says that they met in the temple courts and house to house. So we say if you're, really, you're not really a part of all people's church until you're a part of a house to house gathering because we don't just have a one-wing plane. A one-wing plane will crash, right? But a two-wing plane is, carries people to their destination in safety, right? To, to prayer, you can be in a big group like this and never learn to pray. I can't tell you how many times I've met people that have been in church their whole life and they're like, I don't really know how to pray. Why? Because they've just spent their whole life listening to professional Christians pray. But in a small group, we actually teach people to pray. I can't tell you how many, how many people we've taught to pray for the first time. You're sitting with them, and, and you're like, would you like to pray? And they go, I don't know how to pray. And we say, do you know how to talk? Well, yeah. Well, then just talk to God. It's a little confusing because he's invisible, but just talk. And then they do it, and we're like, great job. That was awesome. They're like, yeah, I'm a prayer now, right? But we learn in those small groups. And, and then it says that, that they gave to each other as they had need. I can't look at you and go like, oh, that person. I mean, this guy gives me a word of knowledge. I can't tell you if you have need. But when we're living in close community, we know who has need and we know who needs a casserole, right? We, we, we know who has a need. And what happens when you're in that with leaders of tens and fifties? And, and, and it's not just leaders of tens. So what I, I believe is every person in here needs to lead. Right? When God put a spirit in you, he needs to lead. You need to lead. And who are you going to lead? You're going to lead a lot of people that don't know Jesus yet because they don't have the spirit. So the spirit of the living God, the spirit of all wisdom and understanding, counsel, knowledge, power, fear of the Lord, Isaiah 6, is in you. You can impact people. And you're like, well, I've only been a believer for three months. That's three months longer than other people that 
get saved today so you can lead them. And we start leading and we start helping people move forward. And then the Bible says this, I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith so that you would know every good thing you have in Christ. How do you mature? You mature by actually investing in others. You mature by investing in others. You're, you're not a mature Christian. Don't tell me you're a mature Christian until you've actually started investing in others because this faith is all about giving it away. That's why Jesus said, you be a fisher of men. You make disciples. I love this last statement. This is how we're gonna finish. Jethro said this to Moses, if you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. I think a lot of people aren't content with Christianity because they haven't experienced authentic Christian relationships. They've never had someone pour into their life. There's coming a harvest, men and women of God, but we desperately need you. The, the places where the Jesus movement caught and that fruit was contained and didn't dissipate was places where people actually took their responsibility and said, I'm gonna take the little I have and invest it in someone. I'm gonna be a big brother. I'm gonna be a big sister. I'm gonna be a mother. I'm gonna be a father. I, I am so excited about what's going on in our high school campuses right now because our high schoolers, you'd be so proud of them, are starting to say, I'm willing to be a leader. And they're starting to gather their friends and it's growing and growing. These, these groups on campus, they're growing and growing and growing because our young people are willing to just say, hey, I might not know everything, but I'm at least willing to impact my friends. Let's all be that way in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. Amen? Yes. Would you close your eyes with me?